Thank everyone for staying. It's a pleasure to be able to speak to you in the ministry this afternoon. With God's help, what I would like to do is to, is to speak on four topics that was established by the first assembly in Jerusalem on that great day of Pentecost. So, with that, we're going to read in the book of the Acts, chapter 2. The book of the Acts, chapter 2, and verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine, topic number one. And fellowship, topic number two. In breaking of bread, topic number three. And in prayers, topic number four. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possession and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We trust that God will bless the reading of his word. Now I want to speak on these four topics. Because the first assembly that was gathered at Jerusalem left us a pattern. It left us a, a blueprint that we should follow. And they received this doctrine or this blueprint, if you will, from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And from revelation from the Holy Spirit. That means the Bible, the Word of God... Is the only source of spiritual truth that we have to guide us in our walk here below and in the local assembly. Now it is very important to go back to the doctrine of the apostle. Because we learn something because of the doctrine of the apostle in the epistle of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That there is such a thing called the back seat. Now in my case, it was told to me that I have, I have to sit in the seat of the unlearned, which really is the correct scripture to present. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. They told me I have to sit in the seat of the unlearned. But I learned since that the seat of the unlearned might seem to be a put down. So it is probably correct to say the back seat. Now that was on full display this morning because it is God's intention that there had to be order in the local assembly, especially at the breaking of bread. 
Anyone can walk into this hall right now and they would know the difference of those who are in fellowship and those who are not in fellowship. They wouldn't be able to tell who are saved and who are unsaved. But when it comes to the breaking of bread, there must be order. He said, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so we have to go back to the teaching of the apostle, the doctrine of the apostle. And we learn about the back seat. Now in my case, I thought since I was saved, and I was coming from the Baptist church, as you know I was baptized in the Baptist church, I said, why the back seat? Now looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know why? Because sitting back and observing, I was convicted in my own heart that this is the place where I want to be. That's why it is good to sit back and to observe. Because you know the elders of Midland Park, I didn't ask them this, but I know this. They don't want to receive an individual into the fellowship. And then after a couple of weeks, this individual said, you know, the assembly is not the place for me. So the best thing for you is to sit back in the seat of the unlearned scriptural language and observe and to be convicted in your own heart that this is the place where you want to be. So the doctrine of the apostle teaches us how the assembly should function. It was on full display this morning. I was kind of taken aback because I know I was going to speak on this subject. I was kind of taken aback that how all these centuries down through the ages, how Christians can follow the pattern, the doctrine, the teaching of the assembly. You know why? Because it was given to them by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so the teaching of the assembly tells us of water baptism. We witnessed that a couple of weeks ago. We saw two young men went down into the water. When I was uh, three weeks old, my mother told me when I was three weeks old that I was quite sickly. I was born in the mix of a hurricane. And they told me that they was afraid that I was going to die. So at three weeks old, they baptized me. Uh, the sprinkling of water on your head. I know nothing about baptism until after I was saved. So because of the, the, the apostle doctrine, because of their teaching, we know what it is to be baptized. It's to be immersed into the water and to come up in newness of life. We learn that from the teaching of the apostle, the apostle doctrine. The Midland Park Gospel Hall would not be able to sustain without the teaching of the apostle doctrine. I was privileged enough to met, to know some of the Christian who were what you would call the nucleus or the foundation of this assembly here in Midland Park in the 1920s. I remember Mr. Green telling me that there was a time when there were some who wanted to bring music into the gospel hall. I once went to a, a gospel hall down in the city that they had music in. It is no longer there. And the reason why some wanted to bring music in so that they can attract more people to come. 
The majority of those meetings are no longer in existence. So it is very important to stick to the pattern and the teaching and the doctrine of the apostle as far as the local assembly is concerned. Now I live in New York City, in Brooklyn, and I could walk maybe 15 minutes to an assembly. It was, it was once called the Good Tidings Gospel Hall, now it's called the Good Tidings Gospel Chapel. It was the first place I went when I came with my, with six different address from, from Antigua to New York. I went there the first Sunday and I didn't give them my letter. I went to observe and I didn't like it. So I went to 73rd Street down in New York City. And I, I gave them my letter that day because I wanted to break bread. But you know why I didn't, you know why I don't go there even now? Even though it would take me like 15 minutes to go. And here it would take me like 45 hours to come here. There is something about the local assembly that follow the pattern. If I were to go there, the people would be like me, mostly from the Caribbean. A hundred maybe in fellowship. I probably will grow cold, not that I'm warm right now, but I probably will grow cold. I probably will get lost. I probably wouldn't have to pray or give out to him. You see, on that day of Pentecost, they all had everything in common and they were all happy and in fellowship. And that day, they were all unselfish. That day they speak in tongues. We don't speak in tongues. I don't want to limit the Spirit of God. But I think that was a one-time thing. It's not going to happen again. Because they speak in tongues. We don't speak in tongues today. And that day, 3,000 souls were saved. God can still save 3,000 souls today. But on that day, they use signs and wonders. We don't do that anymore. So that was a special day. That was a one-time thing. It's a privilege to be in the assembly. I think if I had to go to Good Times Gospel Hall, I don't think I would go every Sunday. I think I would quench the Spirit of God. So it's a privilege to be in the local assembly here at Midland Park. And it is based upon the doctrine and the teaching of the Apostle. He said it continues steadfastly in the Apostle doctrine and the fellowship. Ah. Uh, I'm going to say this, that sometimes when we speak of fellowship, we say things like this. You know, I went with a brother or sister to the restaurant, we had dinner, and we enjoy a good day of fellowship. That is, that is okay, that's fellowship. But I'm speaking of something deeper, based upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because John said in his epistle, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So, with that in mind, 
Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read a few verses. Because I want to emphasize the fact that fellowship is quite deep. It's not a shallow expression of saying we went out today and we had fellowship. He came over to my home and we enjoy fellowship together. That is fellowship, nothing wrong with that, but I want to speak about something much deeper, if I can use that expression. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, and, all, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole were a body, where are, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now what God said, the members every one of them in the body as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet, but one body. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seems to be more feeble, are necessary. We trust that God will bless the reading of his word. Now, fellowship. Now, the Apostle Paul is using the human body here to express the unity that should be in a local assembly. Now, I don't want to... I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not the body of Christ, this is the church. But he's given us an illustration, a type of how a local assembly should function. Because you see, the church which is his body, I have friends who are Christian. I've been to the church for funerals and for weddings. And they are in the body of Christ, universal church, but they're not in the local assembly. So I know there's a difference and there's a distinction, so I want to make that clear before I get to my point as to the fellowship in the local assembly. Because you see, in April 1976, I enter the body of Christ. But after my conversion, I had to be baptized and then to be added to the fellowship, the local assembly. So there is a difference. No one can be put away from the body of Christ, the universal, the universal church. If you're saved, you cannot be put out. Midland Park Gospel Hall, they can put me out of the assembly for scriptural reasons. 
There's such a thing called discipline that is not necessary to put away, but there's such a thing of discipline to put away. I don't want to go into what it, what it would be to put me away, but they can put me away. They cannot put me away. I cannot be put away from the universal church. So there is a difference. Now, the universal church, the Lord Jesus Christ built that church. He said in Matthew chapter 16, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's his church. In that church, there is perfect harmony. There is perfection. It is possible for us to have division in the local assembly here at Midland Park. It is possible to have unsafe people in the local assembly here at Midland Park. That can never happen in the universal church. My two friends sit in the choir in their church, but they don't enjoy the privilege that I enjoy to gather out to his name in the local assembly. So there is a difference between the body which is the church, or the church which is his body, and the local assembly. Now, the fellowship I want to speak about today is that of the human body. No one can care for your body like you do. No one can love your body like you do. The members of my body are very precious. If you don't believe, you try this when you go home. The next time you want to take a shower, don't use your left hand. Can't do it. Can't. You might try, it's not going to work too good. You see, every member of my body is useful and needed. Likewise, every member in the assembly is useful and needed. The way you treat the members of your body, my body functions in harmony and in unity. Fellowship in the local assembly should function in harmony and in unity. We should have the same care for one another as I care for the members of my body. He says that there should be no schism, there should be no division in the local assembly. Why is that? He says that there are some who can teach, some who can preach. It's all for the good of the whole body, the whole assembly. There are some members in the human body that are less active as some. It's the same as in an assembly. Just because I don't pray, I don't preach, it doesn't mean that I'm not important in the assembly. Would to God that you pray and preach. You see, if you pray at home, you pray in the assembly. If you pray in secret, you will pray in public. If there is life, you should pray. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are no less important than those who pray. Every member in the assembly is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the fellowship I want, I want to talk about. The fellowship that is deep. As you treat me, I treat you as you will treat yourself. I remember when I first came to Midland Park. Midland Park was quite small then in numbers. But the first day I came, I was in the fellowship then. 
I came to visit. Before I came permanently in 1979, I came, I think the first time was December 1976. And I remember how warmly I was met, how, how everybody treated me so warmly. And I remember saying to myself, you know, this is just like back home. There is no music. And everybody is the same. Everybody treat me with respect. 1979 is a long time to be in the fellowship of Midland Park. But I'm not here because you treat me with respect. I'm here because I, I'm convicted in my own heart that this is where the Lord wants me to be. So fellowship in the local assembly should be not something you scratch your head or your hand on. It should be something that comes naturally. Because you love the members of your the human body, you should love the members in the assembly. Nobody ever here treat me with disrespect. So I'm, I'm, you know I'm saying this just to encourage us. To bring us back to that day, and the day of Pentecost. How happy they was. They all had everything in common. If we were to go back to that day, we will learn how we can function in the local assembly, fellowship in the local assembly. Now the third one would be the breaking of bread. And the last couple of weeks, uh, some of the brethren are touching on that one. I'm, I'm going to skip that one. Maybe later, if time speaking it, I'll just leave it at that. You want to go to the third, the last one, and that's prayer. And in some respect, it could be the most important one. I'm not saying doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread is less important. But the Lord Jesus Christ said to his own, without me, he can do nothing. Without prayer, I personally believe, Midland Park, Gospel Hall, would not have sustained, would not have survived. I'm, how to put this, I'm, more and more in my Krishna walk, I think about a brother who used to pray, there was a time when he prayed in here, I think about a brother who used to pray, and every time he prayed, he prayed in tears. I find myself sometimes when I pray now, I pray in tears. Maybe I'm getting soft, maybe I'm getting older, or maybe the burdens are getting heavier. But I remember a brother called, we call, I call him Uncle Herm. I'm not related to him, but out of respect, I call him Uncle Herm. I never heard him pray without being in tears. And I used to wonder, now I realize why he prayed. He used to pray, that God will give us new blood, meaning give us people to come into the assembly. This might surprise you. But I was told that I was prayed for before they, ever, they even ever met me. Amazing. They was praying. I wonder if I was in the right place when I left the Baptist church and go to the local assembly. When they said to me, we were praying for you. Never met me before. You know what they were praying? That God will save young men to come into the assembly. I think I'm qualified enough to say that I've seen God answer prayer. As I look over the audience today, I'm even more convinced 
that God answers prayer and that there's power in prayer. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Elijah. He said of him that he was, he's a man of like passion like we are. One day he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. He didn't rain on the earth for three years and six months. What would happen to us today if we don't get rain for three years and six months? I don't know. But he did that. God answered his prayer. He said of him that he prayed again. And the heaven gave his rain and the earth brought forth their fruits. Who to pray for? James said, pray for one another. He said, the effectual virgin prayer of a righteous man availed much. Pray for one another. Pray for the children of the Christians. Pray for my family. I pray for your family. Who to pray for? Some of you might disagree. Pray for the powers that be. Pray for the governor of New Jersey. Pray for the governor of New York. Pray for the president of the United States. Why? Because we believe in their policy? No, no, no. Timothy said, so that we as Christians might lead a quiet and a peaceable life here below. Pray for them. Paul said, to every soul, there is no power that be but the power of God. Romans chapter 13. He said the powers that be were ordained by God. So therefore, it is my civic duty to pray for them. Not to give contribution. Not to go to political rallies, but to pray for them. Pray for the rulers. So that we as Christians might lead a quiet and peaceable life here below. I think on that day that when we read those words and they continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. I personally believe prayer is the most important one. Because I know sister in the Caribbean islands and they don't have much financially but they're happy. And when I see them sometimes you know you're able to give something financially. You know you have your own family. You're not able to do that all the time. But I can pray every day. I can pray every day for those sisters. I know sister from St. Lucia. These brother and sister from St. Lucia would know her. I met her once. Her name is Grace. When I met her, her husband had just passed away. Her husband just died. And then a few years ago, the hurricane smashed her house down. She didn't have much to begin I can pray for her sister. I know sister in Antigua named Mrs. Robert. She don't have much. But I can pray for her. You see what I'm saying? All of us can pray. All of us can preach. But all of us should pray. Pray for loved ones that they might be saved. I think one of the reasons why uh, sometimes I remember Herman is that he used to pray for his son, his grandson. I was quite young back then in the faith and in age too. And he used to wonder why, why cry, why pray in tears? I think he prayed with feeling. He was a man of conviction. 
I'm pretty sure I'm not going to say this because that's what the world said that Herman is looking down on us today. I'm not going to talk like that. But I wonder what Herman would say if he was here. Herman Fraser answered, I don't know about his son or his grandson, but his prayers are answered. There's new blood in Midland Park. <coughs> God has answered prayer. Without prayer, the assembly will not be able to survive. Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion. And he's going about seeking whom he might devour. Pray for me. You know, I was once told... And I was getting ready to leave Antigua in 1976 of November. Don't go back to America. If you're going to go back to the life you lived before you were saved. You know, we have a two-way street of communicating with God, if I can use that term. One way is that when we read the Bible, God speaks to us through His Word. When we pray, we speak to God. Don't get too technical with me because uh, I'm going to use the word pray and pray maybe together. Pray means that we, we address God, we speak to God. And prayer means that we make our petition known, we make our request known to God. So it's a, a little technicality, it's almost the same thing. So when we pray, or in our prayers, it's not a big difference between pray and prayer. But the point I want to make is this, that sometimes when we pray, we pray for things that are not, I'm not intelligent enough to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We should pray with intelligence. I shouldn't pray the same way I pray at the breaking of bread. And I pray downstairs before the gospel meeting. I shouldn't pray at the prayer meeting Thursday night the same way I pray at the breaking of bread. But we should pray. And we should pray that God was. Another thing to pray for is the local assembly. This is the place where the Lord has placed His name. We should extend a, a gratitude of thanks to those men and women who has gone on before, who were the foundation of the assembly here in Midland Park. And they had, a, they had a good foresight. Look at the hall. This hall was built in the 1920s. I think 1927, if I'm not mistaken. I've known many of neighboring gospel hall who have to rebuild because they were too small. Those men, they built... A perfect hall. We don't ever have to rebuild. It's big enough. Hope all is sick and before. So pray for one another. Pray for the powers that be. Pray for the sustenance of the assembly here in Bindam Park. So we touch on four topics. I'm not going to speak on the breaking of bread except to say this. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, the apostle, we read there that they came together. The assembly came together upon the first day of the week to break bread and Paul preached unto them. Because some people want to know why you break bread on the first day of the week. When I was in the Baptist religion for about six weeks, 
I think they broke bread every third Sun, every third Thursday in the night time. I was never, I never partake of the breaking of bread in the Baptist religion. I first broke bread. I was saved in April of 1976, and I had to sit back and observe until August of 1976 before I broke bread. It was the best thing that ever happened. So don't feel like you are not equal to the Christian if you have to sit in the back seat. It is scripture. You take the seat of the unlearned. Or to make it easy on you, you take the back seat. So we trust that God will bless the reading of his precious word. Shall we pray? Father, we humbly bow in the name of our Lord Jesus.